Trinity League Football Podcast. My name is Dan Albon. I'm with the Orange County Register and OCVarsity.com. And I'm joined once again by my podcast partner, our insider, Scott Barajas, as we approach Week 10, the final week of the Trinity League season. A lot of things still on the line, and we're going to talk about that Division One playoff pitcher in our show. We're going to recap our games from last week, which was Friday, uh, mostly Friday, October 28th, and we're going to preview the games for the Week 10 coming up here November 4th. The calendar has changed. We're into November, and uh, Scotty, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good, Dan. I'm actually finally enjoying this cool... Uh, November 1st uh, football weather. It's been hot all year long, and now it actually finally feels like football weather, so I'm kind of enjoying yeah. that today. That's right. CIF weather. Um, a little programming note, and we want to thank all the True League uh, football fans that have uh, been checking out our podcast for us for year two. We've been excited um, by the response. And, uh, you know, of course, Scotty and I have, uh, it doesn't feel like much work here uh, just talking some Tree League football, some high school football. So no sweat for us, but uh, it's been enjoyable. But I, uh, one programming note is that we will be back next week as uh, as our final show. We've Just like last year, we did our one final show for the playoff preview, and that's where we'll lead it um, next week. So, And that's where we'll also have our year-end Trinity League Awards. As you guys probably remember, we did our mid-season awards, and we will wrap it up with our, our Trinity League um, awards, and we'll be based on you know Trinity League performances, and then we'll see how that those all-league honors turn out and how the all-CIF honors, but we'll put a, a fancy bow on this thing just like last year, right, Scotty? Exactly, Dan. All right. Well, some uh, again, you know, the, the like we said, there's obviously a lot of a uh, lot of things here at stake going into Week Ten, like like always. And we will get to that playoff preview shortly. But let's recap last week with our handing out our grades, and I think we got to start off with probably the biggest win of the of the uh, the year so far. For Santa Margarita Eagles, Scotty, we're going to put the Eagles right up there in front, but uh, they got a must win, and we talked about it on the podcast, and they they beat Orange Lutheran twenty three to seven, and uh, that got them on the uh, on the scoreboard with the, with the victory. Now they're they're one and three in league uh, in the Trinity League. They got the five and four overall, which is a pretty important number. I mean. Uh, you know, that's going to help their playoff, you know, applying for that at-large bid, kind of makes them, with the way it looks in the brackets, that d- definitely clinched a uh, playoff uh, spot. They'll be eligible automatically to get in there with the uh, 500 record. So it was a gigantic win um, for Santa Margarita, clutch spot. What did you give the Eagles and, uh, and the Lancers on their grades for this game, Scotty? I gave uh, Santa Margarita an A minus, and I gave Olu a C. Um, and of course, it was the shocker and upset of the night. And uh, the Eagles, you know, they didn't do it in, in, in flashy and by any means, but it was a dominating defensive performance as they handcuffed, you know, the Lancers all night long. The only score came on a six-yard TD pass from backup quarterback Cole Capon, who came in for an injured Ryan Holinsky went out with like nine minutes left remaining in the fourth quarter and uh, 
probably un, you know unknown um, at the at this date if he'll even be back to play next week. Um, you know, Cape had finished six of nine, not bad, one touchdown, right. forty four yards passing, um, and then Helinski was six of fourteen, one intercept and forty eight yards passing before he exited the game. But it didn't help the Lancers, who were out with Dominic Austin, who was uh, out all week with the flu and tried to play, but yeah, he wasn't a, you know, it didn't help out as he only carried, you know, he only ran for 21 yards in limited action. But, um, yeah, the Eagles, you know, you know, dialed up a great defensive game plan. They harassed Helensky all night long, and they didn't allow the ball to get to his playmakers. You know, and that's what what ended up being the difference. You know, you know, Santa Margarita, you know, chipped away. They jumped out to a 13-0 lead, halftime, halftime lead, um, and then yeah. they were aided by the return of Chad Magar, who ran yeah. for 95 yards, kind of you know workman numbers, but he caught six passes for 51 and a touchdown. Right. And uh, obviously, the Eagles, um, you know, are much more better when they're productive, uh, when they have the run and. You know, get the balance that they don't have to throw the ball all the time. Wagner was effective, 16 to 21, 170 in a touchdown. And, um, you know, the win makes this very interesting for this coming week with the Servite Santa Margarita game. And, um, you know, you know, because the, the last, you know, the last one out of the league is probably going to get, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but, um, you know, they're going to get one of the, you know, the, they can't play modern day, but, you know, they're going to get one of either from Michigan, you know, Centennial or, or Bosco. But, you know, we'll talk later on that playoff outlook. Exactly. Well, I gave uh, Santa Margarita an A, and I gave the uh, the uh, Lancers a C. You know, uh, the thing that you know, impressed me the most about the Santa Margarita win was just their defensive effort. Um, where in the Trinity League, you know, they did start to play uh, better on defense. Um, you know, in the Jay Sarah game, they, was, they lost 27-21 to 21 the previous week. So 27 points, not bad. But, you know, compared to uh, the, what, the 47 they gave up against Bosco, the 62 against Modern Day, they really got back to uh, playing some sound defense, and uh, that was really impressive because Orange Lutheran had been scoring a lot of points. Um, they, they've been pretty uh, explosive, the Lancers. So, um, big defensive effort. Richie uh, Carrigo was their leading tackler with not, uh, junior, um, nine um, total tackles. Another junior who uh, we mentioned a, a timer two on the, the podcast, I believe, is Caden Fitch. He had eight total tackles, uh, was second with uh, Jaden uh, DeGravio, a senior, had eight. So, um, but yeah, having, you know, Dominic Austin not, you know, only having seven carries, sure that helps him. But that's part of the Trinity League is, uh, which makes it tough, you know, that's why the league gets so much respect is because you can't have an off week. Um, if you're sick, if you have injuries, you're going to get, you're, you could very likely get caught, and that's what happened to the Lancers. But uh, not a crushing loss. It might hurt the, the Lancers' playoff seating. But uh, it was a big one for, you know, Santa Margarita to get. And, 
you know, I'm sure, you know, and then, you know, momentum comes to be big this year, this time of year, so the Eagles obviously got to keep it going, but, um, you know, I was really impressed with their defense. But uh, let's uh, switch to another game, Scotty, to recap from uh, last week. And that was, uh, let's go with the game also on Friday night. And that was at the Big A, as I like to call it. And that was modern day, number one in the county, number one in Division One, Improves to 9-0 overall, 4-0 in league. And, you know, they clinched at least a share of the Trinity League Championship. And that was with a 58-16 uh, victory against Survey. What are your grades for the Monarchs and, and the Friars, uh, Scotty? Monterey gets the A and Survey gets a C. And um, you know, Monterey used a balance attack all night to rack up 56 points on Survey uh, to capture their ninth win. Um, but early on in the game, Servite actually took away the passing game. They they dropped. They went to that 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 defense that Bosco some ran similar similar yeah. defense. They dropped eight, you know. And so Modern Day just took the run and ran the ball with Harper, and then primarily with uh, Raphael Jones, yes. who actually ended up with 144 yards and two touchdowns. But as soon as Servite began to switch up their defenses, JT recognized it and uh, went to the air. Each time, as he finished 26 of 28 for 327 and six touchdowns, yeah. including a Hail Mary uh, TD that Amon Ra caught off a deflection in the end zone to, to cap off the half. Um, you know, Servite tried to counter with its passing game as Tyler Lytle connected with sophomore Kyle Ford for nine receptions for 174 and two touchdowns, including an 80 yarder. But after Servite scored the 80-yarder, Tyler, you know, you know, Lytle and Servite never went back to Ford. They never went, you know, I, it, it was kind of, you know, everybody was that we on our sideline side was kind of perplexed. But, you know, I don't think MD didn't change any defensive coverage. They didn't do, you know, swing over help. Um, the DB just chose to stick to play 10 yards off the ball. And, you know, and that was Servite's best threat. And then Ford, you know, accounted for 174 yards of the 216 passing yards. And then Servite, you know, again, you know, couldn't get the running game going. They were held to 22 yards rushing. Um, and then, you know, for the Monarchs, it was spread out all over again. You know, Amon Ra had five for 111 yards. And then he included, he also had a 60-yard punt return to set up Monarchs' okay. first score. So, um and it was it was pretty much you know modern day you know came in and did what they had to do. Um, it was kind of interesting to see how that first quarter how it played out because Servite wasn't giving anything to to modern day, and then eventually once once JT uh, ended up recognizing those coverages, they kind of just started kind of moving the ball back and forth with the run and the pass. So. Things to digest from this this big game, this rivalry game. JT Daniels, I mean, sophomore. So, like you said, Scotty, twenty six of twenty eight. That's over ninety percent a completion percent. It's you know my math isn't great, but what that's probably about ninety two, ninety three percent. I mean that is uh, amazing. Uh, I mean that that is. Uh, I mean. I mean, how many high school kids can have that kind of night? And he's, I mean, for the season, his, I don't know what his pl- completion percentage is, but it's got to be, uh, you know, leading the he's, nation. Yeah, he's about, he's at 80, and we can talk about that in a little, little bit later. Yeah, so. okay. 
But then, uh, you know, I'm not surpri- I wasn't surprised to see the numbers from uh, from Jones, the senior running back, because uh, he was really starting to get it going against St. John Bosco, and uh, in the second half, actually the fourth quarter, I believe it was, and he just continued uh, his stellar game, uh, and that really makes that uh, modern team, modern day defense, uh, modern day offense, that just that more explosive when you have a scat back like uh, Harper who can hit the hole so fast is a very elusive receiver um, out of the backfield. And you got uh, um, Jones, who's kind of a speed guy to the outside, um, pretty versatile back. But um, any comments on Raphael Jones? Yeah, Ralph's a big, bigger back. Bigger um, back, yeah. And he gives, yeah, he gives, you know, he's, he's built sort of in the mold of a receiver because he goes about six foot, 200 pounds. He's more of a long strider. Um, he covers more ground. Jacoby's that quick scat, scat back. Um, but they chose, you know, I guess they went with the, the hot back um, and went with Jones this game. And, um, you know, he, he did what he, you know, he they just haven't been able to get a running game going uh, or they haven't needed to show it. So with running backs, they're kind of the kind you want, you want to get the ball in their hands and they get a rhythm in it. So that's basically kind of what happened. And he showed a little bit of it last week. And then, you know, he got more of a taste. And so once you get in the rhythm, you know, the backs like to get fed the ball. So, um, you know, you'll, you know, I'm, from here on out, you're going to see a, more of a, a balanced, you're going to see the run game utilized a lot more because there's just no way that, you know, you know, teams are going to let them throw the ball all over the field. So. Yes. Now, a couple of the things I want to hit you up real quick. Um, Got to talk a little bit about those other numbers. Kyle Ford, sophomore, nine catches, 178. Uh, so that's an average of almost 20 yards per catch. Two touchdowns, including a long catch of 80 yards. I guess that's why Colorado offered him. Um, maybe they see something uh, in uh, in the maybe a future combination because they already have Tyler Lytle, who is their um, you know six foot five commit, uh, who was sixteen of twenty three for almost seventy percent. So uh, you know, obviously a great night for uh, Tyler as well. But he's a Colorado commit. Maybe you pair him with uh, someday if they can hold on to him. But sounds like Kyle Ford just blew up uh, as a sophomore to have that kind of performance. What did you think of Kyle? Yeah, Kyle's actually been one of those kids I've been watching since the beginning of the uh, of the season. Um, you know, I just was kind of, you know, you know, I was kind of perplexed on why, you know, he wasn't getting more looks early on with a lot of these other sophomores. And, and um, you know, sometimes things that work out for a reason and, um, you know, you, you do what you're supposed to do, the, you know, things come, yeah. come your way and that's kind of what's happened with him. Um, he was probably low on the radar and uh, he's actually become, you know, Tyler Lytle's uh, main target. He's, you know, before the season started, he was probably third, and now he's—I think—he's become his main go-to guy. And for the past three weeks, I think he's pretty much—he's hit, you know, seven, eight, nine for like 150, 160, 170 range in the last three weeks. So, um, when you know, you know, we'll see how how that you know that keeps carrying over for for Servite to build off of. Yeah, it's going to be interesting with the you know with their receivers and what they're going to have to do with quarterback next year because, um, you know, 
like we said, Tyler is a senior, but some lucky quarterback there, you know, definitely is going to have a, a group of receivers because you got Wingfield, who's a junior. I know he didn't have a, a big explosive game against um, Modern Day, but Hurt is a junior um, who's had a big year. He was quiet against Modern Day, but he is a junior. There's this other kid, Fitzgerald, who's a junior, had two catches. Um, Ford, the sophomore, um, just going down there. There's this other kid, Ethan Ray's a sophomore, had a catch. And then, of course, they have the uh, the transfer guy you can remember, uh, remind me of his name, but he was a sophomore from modern day. Um, his name's escaping me right now, but what's his name, Scotty? Trent McDuffie, and, and, and fortunately, he's um, he's done for the year. He uh, had, a, had a minor surgery and um, okay. he's out for the year, so we found that out uh, at, at the game last week. Um, but as far as who replaces Lido, probably the backup quarterback right right now is a, a sophomore by the name of T.J. McMahon. And you may recall that name because um, right. he's actually the brother of former modern day player Ryan McMahon. Um, yes. So he's at Survey right now, and he's actually very athletic. He's he's, he's a carbon copy of, of Simpson, Survey's quarterback last year. Okay, Aaron he's Simpson. An athlete. Aaron Simpson, Simpson, yeah, um, he's got you know pretty good arm. You know he's he, he's about five ten, maybe you know one hundred seventy five pounds, but um, he's playing in the slot for Servite. And I think maybe that's maybe he's playing because McDuffie's not playing now, but he played in the slot. And he actually caught three balls against Modern Day, so okay. Um, but he may be, you know, unless they have somebody, you know, who knows what the transfer game go is like, or you know, on, on their lower levels. But as far as I know, you know, he's he would be be the uh, the next uh, in line. Well, his brother was very athletic at Modern Day, uh, outstanding baseball player. Yes, he was. Yeah, he was. You know, he played quarterback for a while there, and uh, yeah, and um, yeah. Yeah, then he gave up a quarterback to concentrate on, on baseball, I believe it was. Um, you know, another guy, uh, before we leave this game, a couple, uh, I'll just mention him real quick, but modern day's leading tackle was uh, Sir Barnes, sophomore linebacker that I think we talked about last week's show because he played pretty well in the second half against St. John Bosco. He had six total tackles to lead the Monarchs. And then this kid, Joe Christensen, a junior at Servite, was the high man in the game, actually. Eleven total tackles. So um, a lot of uh, young talent. You know, of course, Amon Ross St. Brown is only a junior. Recently got invited to play, and I, I think he's probably accepted to play in the next, not uh, the 2018 um, U.S. Army All-American game. Hey, let's log, let's talk about our last game, Scotty. And that game was actually on Thursday. And it was uh, St. John Bosco bouncing back from their loss to Modern Day. They got their seventh win overall on the season, 7-2. And they're 3-1 in the league now after a 47-19 victory against Jay Sarah. This was a Thursday night game. So Jay Sarah actually scored some points, relatively speaking, um, not too bad as far as um, how the rest of the Trinity League uh, is kind of fared against Braves. But what did you give your grades on this game, Scotty, for both teams? Uh, I gave Bosco a B plus and I gave Jay Sarah a C. And, um, you know, Bosco didn't have a hangover 
you know, coming into this game as we all thought they were going to have against them, you know, having that loss to MD last week or the following week. But the but the key is this is the Braves jumped out to a 28-0 uh, lead after the first quarter. And, you know, the defense just completely just overwhelmed, you know, Jason. Um, they got a scoop and score for Cross Proyer. And then the next the, the first, I think the second play in the second quarter, um, Bosco scores to make it 34-0. So basically it was 34-0, you know, like basically at the first quarter. Um, you know, and then after that, Bosco seemed to get complacent and lose focus. And um, they didn't have that same steam and, and desire that they had in that first quarter. Um because after that, you know, the Bosco ended up starting, you know, kind of perplexing because Bosco did not run the ball very much in this game. They kept trying to throw the ball more than they ran. And then, you know, it, it, it was working, but they were getting some yards, but they weren't, you know, scoring the big points. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, Demetrius Flowers didn't play. He sat this game out. After being, you know, he was the high man for Bosco or the running back, running game, the modern day game the previous week. Um, but the Bosco, but the Braves didn't pour it on and put points, you know. And it was funny because they 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 were moving the ball, running, and then they were trying to pass, pass, and there were like two or three times that um, Mitchell overthrew guys that were wide open that would have been for scores, and then he also got picked off on a great play by uh, Riley O'Brien um, um, in the end zone on a deep ball and um, you know on the night he finished he had 216 yards but I don't have his, his, his actual I don't have his his, um, his percentage but he probably was, was had to be like 50% again and, you know and offensively for Jay Sarah you know they were pretty much overmatched um Every time, you know, Matt Robinson would try to run that read option, I mean, Bosco was, like, right there before yeah. he could even take a step. Um, but the short passing game was effective using, you know, utilizing, you know, you know Bosco's speed against them, you know, throwing screens, throwing yeah. um, slants, and, and that seemed to work. And then they hit, he had uh, success hitting Tarek Luckett on a beautiful over-the-middle catch, that Tuckett, that Luckett, you know, ran, juking, spinning, you know, for a huge gain. But yeah, JSR couldn't only, you know, couldn't muster any more drives, and they only scored, you know, 12, 12 uh, points in the second half, you know, to close out the 47, you know, 19 game. But one other key point that was interesting is that JSR twice got down to the goal line and decided to bring in a full house backfield with Riley O'Brien at quarterback and it was stuffed twice you know and then on the third time they got down to the goal line Jay Sarah runs the regular offense and scores so you know it was just kind of interesting um, yeah. that the short passing game worked but when they tried to get you know tried to go with that full house and tried to go man on man you know tried to power it in to get to that Bosco front it didn't work um so, uh, yeah, it, it, it didn't help that they had to, you know, 
that big deficit in that first quarter. Yeah. But the whole second half, you know, game, they kind of played within them. But, you know, I think it was the fourth quarter, Bosco pulled all their starters and they were playing the second team in the whole fourth quarter. But, but like I said, I think Bosco, you know, they, they came in and did what they wanted to do. But, but after that first quarter, they seemed to get bored very quick. So, yeah. Well, I gave Jay Sarah a C plus, huh? and I gave uh, the Braves, I gave him an A minus for their bounce back. But yeah, the second half, uh, Scotty, the second half of this game, it was 13 to 12. That was the score in favor of the Braves because it was, uh, yeah, 34 to 7 at halftime. And, um, I'm sorry, 34 to seven. So they just got the 13 points, Bosco and 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 Jay Sarah got 12. So I guess uh, I guess O'Brien's a, you know he's definitely a guy that we have to look at for all counting. That's for sure. I, you know to hear another big play for him. I mean he's been making those plays all year. And um, yeah, Riley O'Brien has had a great year. Uh, Two way player. Yeah, Matt Robinson, 15 of 22, 184. For the junior, so one TD, one interception, so a very high completion percentage. But the you know that front seven, that defense for St. John Bosco, too too much for you know Jay Sarah to run on. And a lot of people have had obviously Servites had a tough time running it. Um, you know, uh, Modern Day had a tough time running it until uh, you know the second half, really, right? Um, yeah, yeah, you're and, right. And Jay Sarah. They ran it 27 times for 57 yards for an average of 2.1, and um, so that was you know that's that's going to be tough to win ball games. Um, and then you mentioned uh, Tariq Luckett, which is what well, I'm glad you did because he's a sophomore, and um, they got you know they're they're another young team. You know we mentioned all those Servite underclassmen. Um, there's a lot of young kids to like at uh, Servite. There, you know, they have Tristan West, who had uh, kind of a bigger receiver, had five catches for 44 yards in this game. But uh, and then, you know, we, you know, you know, so they got some. There's some. Uh, the Tree League is in good hands. We know Modern Day is obviously very young, especially with the offensive line. They have a lot of seniors on defense, but the you know the Modern Day offense is is extremely young. Going to be loaded. Um, but I think the training league teams are going to be, just, you know, super strong uh, next year as well. Well, let's look at this Week Ten, uh, Scotty here, um, and we thank all the training league football fans for joining us on our Week Ten training league football podcast. Okay, so Scotty, a lot of things to get settled this week. Um, we got to start back with Santa Margarita because they're, you know, the Santa Margarita Servite is the spotlight game of the week. This is on Friday. Uh, November 4th at Saddleback College, 7 o'clock um, kickoff. And, you know, it's an interesting game because, you know, Servites, they're 1-3 in the league. They're 4-5. and five, And like we've said all along, and I've said, and I'm, you know, I'll take the blame, but, uh, I mean, we've said all along that, you know, Servites got to win this game. they got to be 500 um, to apply for the at-large. But then he's charging into the playoff scenarios and this, you know, field of 18 teams that you can draw from to make a 16-team bracket. And you start to see the records of some of these teams, and it turns out that, you know, they, the CIF, you know, that first criteria as far as the at-large, they're going to go with um, the, you know, the the teams like um, Lutheran, that is going to be 500, 
they're already, you know, they're, you know, they're five and four. And Jay Sarah and Santa Margarita, they're all five and four. Those at-large teams are going to get in with their at-large applications when they're five hundred. But there's, it turns out that maybe there could be um, not enough at-large teams that are five hundred, and then the CIF will fill that bracket because there's not going to be any buys in the football. They're going to fill that sixteen-team brackets, and they'll put, pick out some teams that aren't five hundred. And so maybe this isn't a must-win for Servite after all. Um, but what, what's your what's your thoughts on this game, Scotty? Yeah, it, 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 it's maybe not a must-win, but you sure want to have momentum, you know, carried into the into the playoffs. Um, nobody wants to, you know, go out on a losing end and then and then you know find out who you're matched up against because you know the wins will help. Um, you know, Servites, you know, like we said, they're going to try to get to that five wins. Um, I thought that that the strength of schedule was going to help, but I was told that. They're not going to use the strength of schedule. Um, they're just going to use based on a kind of a subjective, you know, you know who they think has been playing the best or who's been, you know, you know, winning or who how they've scored. Uh, I don't know how they're going to do it, but that's just what I was what I was told. So we'll have to look out for that one. Um, you know, Santa Margarita, you know, you know, threw a wrench into everything. Um, they're trying to get to that third spot. Um, you know, trying to trying to you know be the third team out, out of the the Trinity League. Um, you know, or I don't know how they how they're gonna how they're actually gonna to do it because I don't know if it's based on head to head or do they when it's a three way tie for third do they just do a coin flip? Um, you know, I, I I know Mo Lu is probably not gonna beat Bosco. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but when um, you look at, you know, what's coming out of this game is that Santa Margarita's defense um, looked pretty good. And like I said, I liked their defense early on, except for the, you know, I had issues with their secondary, but I liked their uh, their fronts and their linebackers. And they've actually, that's what that what finally came, you know, came to life was their, their fronts and their linebackers. You know, can they duplicate it? Can they put the pressure on Lytle? Um you know, you know, if they do so, I think Santa Margarita, you know, is going to be on, going to come out on on top. If they don't, and they let Lytle, you know, move the ball down the field, that's what's going to, you know, ended up being the difference. You know, Servi didn't play bad last week. Um, they were just kind of overmatched, and um, you know, they should have continued to work on, you know, the mismatches at receiver with Ford. Um, and you know they probably could do that again this this week, um, and uh, you know see what happens. You know because he's, he's on a hot streak. When the receivers on a hot streak, yeah. they like the heck, they like to get the ball in their hands. But I think the Eagles are gonna, um, you know, their momentum is is carrying them. I think you know, and I think Santa Margarita is gonna pull this one out. Santa Margarita, okay. Well, yeah, I, I was thinking that. To me, uh, the pick for me uh, was is going to be Servite because um, I think they're, they're going to be the more desperate team and they have the most to play for. But you talk about that Santa Margarita defense, and, and certainly rightfully so. I looked it up. You know, they had three sacks against Olu, and they're all three by juniors. Joseph Cardi, I think we mentioned him earlier. Jake Delaney had one, and uh, one of the McLean brothers had one. Um, and... Uh, you know, that three sacks by all by juniors. So it'll be interesting to see if that 
Santa Margarita defense can do one more time. Um, and I can see that being a big part of the, uh, how this game goes as far as what kind of pressure can they put on Tyler Lytle. Can they get their ground game going again? Uh, they gave you know a lot of gr- great support to Grant Calcaterra um, in that week last week. You know we've been checking out him out all the time. We always talk about Grant Calcaterra, the Oklahoma commit, here on the Tree League Football Podcast. And this was a, you know what a, this is a big uh, the biggest stat of the, the night. From one of the biggest stats is that the Eagles won last week when Calcaterra. Um, wasn't didn't go crazy. He had five catches for 54 yards, and uh, Chad um, uh, Magyar had five catches for 49 yards. So they so Calcaterra didn't have to go get his 170 or 200 yards, and they actually sp- uh, spread it around. There's this uh, uh, P- uh, Puzioli um, uh, senior had four catches too. So that that really was a good sign for the Eagles. Yeah, they, they, you know, that that's when they have the balance instead of having to rely on the one guy. I think that's maybe what happened early on in the season is that Santa Margarita maybe was pressed to, 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 you know, to look for other players because, you know, other than Green last year, had you know, he had some success last year, but, but, but you know, Magar was, not, was unheard of. Yeah. Um, any of their secondary receivers were unheard of. Um, the transfers, that, you know, they didn't have. Um, um, I can't remember his number six, uh, Mooncar, Mun- yeah. or something. Moons are uh, McC- McLean. McC- McLean, and, and and so that you know they didn't have. So those, you know, so now that they've figured out who they have and what's their identity, like we had said, we had talked about an identity all year long, is that, you know, they're better balanced, you know, and, and, and Megar seems to be, you know, an all-purpose back, you know, using him, uh, you know, as a receiver as yeah. well as a runner, and, and, and it just takes the pressure off everybody without having to try to force feed down the field, so... Yeah, and maybe the uh, Eagles special teams, you've talked about uh, him. Uh, Malone uh, Matelli uh, had a pretty good game as far as, uh, you know, his versatility, you know, rushing, kick returns, punt return. Maybe he'll be a big, uh, and I believe, you know, if this is right, he's a junior. So he's a uh, he's going to be a guy to watch. Um, he's had a good year um, for Santa Margarita, former Orange Lutheran um, player. Um, but, you know, one thing I'll, I'll clarify on the on the playoffs is that my understanding is after these 500 teams, uh, these at-large bids go out, and then they're going to go with who has the most wins after that to throw up that bracket. So just come down to straight wins. You know, so four and six is going to be three and seven. But then if there's uh, a tie of four and six, then it becomes the regulars. Um, criteria, the regular at-large criteria, which I don't have in front of me, but I think that's where it gets back into, you know, strength of schedule, um, and it's the regular formula, um, I believe, but that's uh, that's going a couple steps that, that I'm not even prepared yet on, but that's my, it's going to, you know, but that's, that is the fact that it's going to go to regular at-large criteria, which has got to be um, a deeper criteria uh, in terms of uh, you know, strength of schedule and quality wins and stuff like that.